The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, your host may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus also said to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite those who are poor, crippled, lame, and blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. A while back, my husband and I went to see a Kenny G concert, that famous saxophone player at the Key Arena. You may have heard of him. Well, we were a little late getting tickets, but we decided to go on a whim, and we were able to get affordable seats on the main floor, but way, way, way in the back. So we went to the concert, and when we arrived, I would have to say we were just a little disappointed with our seats. Not only were they in the back row, but there was kind of a platform placed right in front of us that looked like maybe there'd be a camera person or someone who might need to place their equipment there, further blocking our view. But, oh well, we'd get to hear Kenny G. So we began to get curious when no one came to place anything in front of us as the concert began. And then it started, and we could, we could hear Kenny G, only he wasn't at the front of the stage. Instead, he was coming from the nosebleed section in the back of us. And he began making his way down to the front of the stage, playing as he went, with a spotlight following him through the row after row. And as he made his way down, he got closer and closer to where we were sitting, until he was standing on that very platform, right in front of us. And we could see him looking down at us as he stopped right there to play a little mini concert just for us. And he said to us when he was done, I bet you didn't expect to have front row seats. And indeed we hadn't, but we had been given such a gift We didn't pay any extra for those seats. In fact, we were kind of slackers. We did not deserve that little private concert. And yet, there it was, free of charge. It was our Kenny G moment. We felt like we had been given front row seats. 
So I wonder if you have had a moment like that when you've been afforded front row seats and you didn't do anything to deserve it. Or perhaps you have been in an awkward situation where you wondered, where do I sit? Where should I sit? Who can't relate to that uncomfortable feeling when you go to a social event and there is no assigned seating and you kind of have to find a seat and, and it can bring up all those awkward feelings of a middle schooler wondering where to sit on the first day of school in a crowded cafeteria, peering around wondering, where do I sit? Who do I sit with? Where do I belong? Do I belong? Well, today's gospel lesson certainly can tease out some of those questions and emotions as we overhear Jesus' advice to his dinner companions. Being hosted at the home of a Pharisee, we assume that this is a room filled with other Pharisees, educated and perhaps wealthy men. There would have been no women invited into that room, only men. And they're all jockeying for position, closest to the host, assuming that they should be given that seat of honor. Well, Jesus quickly addresses the seating arrangements by giving this advice. Take the lowest place. Now, that would have totally confused the guests. Why would anyone want to do that? But here is Jesus' logic. It is better to be humble and be exalted to a better place at the table than to exalt oneself and be humbled. You know, I think as Lutherans that we take Jesus very seriously and perhaps maybe a little too literally. So I think just about every congregation that I've served, maybe with the exception of St. Mark's, people fight for the back rows of the seats. Now, I don't want to make anyone self-conscious here. Um, don't look at the back right now. Just, okay. If someone did sit up front, we could assume that they were probably a visitor or the pastor. But when it comes to a Seahawks game or a concert or a play, Everyone wants the best seats right up front on the 50-yard line or center stage. So what's this about? Isn't it okay to want to have a good seat? One might wonder, why is Jesus being such a a buzzkill at this party? Or is Jesus' advice more about inviting the Pharisees in the room and those of us who are overhearing it to consider our own hearts? The heart of the matter is really humility, taking the back seat so that others may have the front seat. And this would have been a very countercultural idea for that time. Janine Brown, in her commentary on this text, says Jesus' exhortation is to pursue, pursue humility, a concept with significant status connotations. Humility was very rarely considered a virtue in Greco-Roman moral discourse. Yet humility is to mark the followers of Jesus. I've heard it said about humility that it is not so much about thinking less of yourself, denigrating oneself, but thinking about yourself less, considering others. Let me say that again. 
Humility is not so much about thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. I think this is also an important word to our culture today, which is often obsessed with celebrity and the social elite. You know, when we look at the context of Jesus' teaching, it is spoken to a privileged class. They are learned men, well-respected in the community, which gave them more power and prestige. And so when we hear these words today, we can ask ourselves, how might I be in that same position? How might I be privileged? How do I hear Jesus' words? And then what about those who don't find themselves in a privileged position? What if you don't have resources? What if you have a disability or you're an immigrant? Or you have some otherness that relegates you to the back seat? We can think of examples when fighting for the front seat was the right action to take. You can think back to the civil rights moment for Rosa Parks, a young black woman who was tired of sitting in the back of the bus because the front was for whites only. And she decided to make a, a change and to make a statement to sit in the front because she was tired. She was tired of injustice. She was tired of inequality. And it was time to do something about it. So she sat down in her rightful seat in the front. And it changed the paradigm. It shifted how we thought about who deserves to sit where. Well, for many in this world, who because of race or gender or resources always end up seeming to take a back seat, this word from Jesus is really good news. It's like getting a front row invitation. Come sit up here next to me. I bet you didn't expect a front row seat. So the question whenever we hear these uh, words from Jesus and these stories is where do we find ourselves? Back seat, back of the bus, or up front, needing to relinquish our seat? I have to admit, as a white, middle-class, married woman, educated, a pastor in this country, I feel pretty privileged. What What might this mean for someone like me to become more aware of that privilege and to start noticing others, those not at the table, those who may need the front row. And to ask myself, how does privilege become a barrier? And then how might I use my privilege as a platform to share this kingdom message and Jesus' invitation? You know, Jesus goes on to make a second point, which I think is very much connected to the first and belongs together. Jesus says to the host, when you give a dinner party, instead of inviting your friends, your relatives, or rich neighbors because they can repay you, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, those who cannot repay you. By doing this, Jesus says, you'll be blessed. Again, a very countercultural message. Jesus sets the rules of, society, of social engagement 
versus quid pro quo, the exchange of one good or service for another, inviting people who could give nothing in return is direct opposition to that system of patronage where the only reason anyone did anything was for something in return. Jesus is calling for something different, for kingdom behavior, where love is given freely with nothing asked for in return, a kind of radical hospitality and welcome. Jesus continues to upset our ideas of who belongs at the table and upends our seating arrangements like an apple cart. I heard this said about Jesus, and I like this, that Jesus did not so much birth a church, but he birthed a table, a table around which all are welcome, regardless of position in life, regardless of race, status, gender, gender identity, culture or creed, asylum seeker or immigrant, all are welcomed at the table. The table is the place where intimacy happens, where relationships happen. And we know that eating meals together is healthy. You may notice that we have a lot of meals provided here at St. Mark's. And we strive at St. Mark's to live out this radical hospitality and welcome through our many ministries that this community provides. And I just want to make this practical and invite you, if you haven't already, to look at the Learn, Serve, Grow list. Many of you are already participating in some of those ministries. So many ways that we can share a meal, provide a meal. One of the, the ministries that I, I wanted to highlight this morning as school begins is the Lunch Buddy program at DeLong Elementary School. Many of you uh, may know about this ministry already. But Mary Olson is one of our Lunch Buddy coordinators, and I wanted to share with you how she describes this ministry. She says this, Sometimes I wonder if one hour once a week really matters. DeLong's social worker tells me that our buddies, generally speaking, have rather poor attendance records but they seldom miss school on their lunch buddy day. And sometimes lunch buddies ask if a friend can join in at lunch. Sometimes that grows to three or four friends gathering around the lunch buddy and their volunteer. Mary's philosophy is this. The gift of time is irreplaceable. It cannot be purchased at Amazon or Macy's or Best Buy or anywhere. Spending time with a person is one of the greatest gifts we can give to anyone, especially a child. How true. Perhaps this is a glimpse at the table in the kingdom where everyone's got a lunch buddy and you don't have to worry if you've got a seat. Well, today, there is good news. You are invited to a table to the table of the Lord, where there is always a seat for you, where you can feast on a meal prepared just for you, to partake in the bread, 
Jesus' body given for you, to drink of the wine, Jesus' blood shed for you. You may wonder, is there a barrier that stands between you and the table? But then you realize, you know, there is no barrier, no barrier that Jesus can't overcome. Instead, there's a platform where Jesus comes and stands in front of you and says, you have a front row seat here. No, you didn't have to pay anything for it because Jesus, he paid the price. And he invites you today, please come up here and dine with me. Amen.